I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest has already punched her ticket to Paris this summer for the 2024 Olympic Games. Natalia Grossman took the climbing world by storm when she became the bouldering world champion and number one ranked athlete at just 20 years old. Her rapid rise to the top led Climbing Magazine to dub her America's new comp superstar. Natalia got her first taste of a climbing gym when she was just six years old and it was instant love. Those once a week sessions quickly morphed into competing and then by the time she turned 15, her parents moved the family cross country from California to Boulder, Colorado so that she could join one of the best youth squads in the United States. After winning the 2020 USA Climbing Bouldering Open National Championships, Natalia announced her arrival on the world stage in very impressive fashion. By winning two of the four events and finishing on the podium in the other two on her way to winning the 2021 Bouldering World Cup overall title. She quickly followed that up with gold at the Bouldering World Championships to end the year as the undisputed world number one. Natalia also dominated the 2022 Bouldering World Cup, winning five of the six events, and then she went on to win again in 2023. She also qualified for the upcoming Olympic Games in Paris by winning the Boulder and Lead Combined Competition at last year's Pan American Games. In this episode, Natalia shares her journey to the top of the world with us. We dig into the difficult choice of moving across the country for climbing, how she deals with online doubters, the importance of communication, how her sport doesn't define her, what it was like going pro, and falling in love with her sport all over again. Natalia digs into how important mindset is, communication with her coach, talking to her sports psychologist, how at the very top level in our sports, mindset is so crucial. And if you are an athlete that is wanting to elevate your skill set by figuring out your mindset, I have the perfect gift for you. It is the complete top 10 mental skills that every athlete must have. And it's not just a list of these skills. It's a guide and it helps give you a self-assessment to see where you are and what steps you need to take on your journey to confidence. Go grab your free copy over at laurawilkinson.com slash skills. That's laurawilkinson.com slash skills. Before we get started, please make sure you don't just hit the subscribe button. Yes, I want you to subscribe, but the best way you can say thank you to us and to help us grow is to share these episodes with your friends, your family, your coaches, your athletes, your teammates, with all the people that you care about that you know would love this content. That helps us grow and it means we can continue bringing amazing people on the show so that we can keep bringing you more resources, tools, and inspiration. All right, I believe that there's gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. Natalia Grossman, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I am super excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I want to go back to the beginning because I don't know much about sport climbing, so I'm going to have to know all the things. But how do you start in rock climbing? Like, was this just something you've done since you were little? Did you find it kind of along the way doing other things? Like, how did you get into it? I actually started climbing when I was six years old. And I'd say that a lot of my competitors have been doing it from a really young age as well. Mm-hmm. It's more common to start like as a young person, mm-hmm. but you can literally start at any age, you know? You can start when you're like 60 years old or 
there's no age limit. So I don't know. Are you sure about that? It seems like you'd be falling from a long height. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't recommend it. <laughs> if like you don't want to hurt your bones or you know if you're more <laughs> prone to injury, but you can like rope climb and there's right. like low impact or no impact really. A lot of people as they become older, they tend to sport climb because you're less likely to hurt yourself. Gotcha. So what's the difference then between what you do and sport climb? So like will you describe the different yeah disciplines to me? Okay, yeah. So in climbing, there are three different disciplines or in competitive climbing, I should say. There's a lot more than three climbing disciplines, but in competition, there is bouldering, which are 15 foot walls and the people like the setters will set really hard climbs and you're just trying to get to the top of the wall. And then in lead climbing, it's a similar concept. It's a very hard route that you're trying to get to the top of. And it doesn't matter like how long it takes you. You just want to get to the top. And so those two disciplines, bouldering and lead, have recently been combined and they're called the combined discipline. And that's what you see in the Olympics. And then the third discipline is speed climbing, where you're climbing a 15 meter wall and you want to get to the top as fast as you can. And that's its own discipline now and will be in the Olympics as its own discipline. So climbing will have like two separate disciplines in the Olympic. Okay, very cool. And so you are into the bouldering and lead. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So how how do you decide which one? Like, do you kind of just gravitate toward one? Like, you're you're better at doing this fast, or you're better at just making the difficult jumps or climbs? Like, how do you kind of navigate, or do you just kind of do both for a long time until you figure it out? I actually started out by doing all three in the last Olympics. All three were one discipline, so you had to do all of them. Oh. So the goal is to have every discipline be its own. You know, you're not going to put a track sprinter with a marathon runner. And that's kind of what happened because our governing body was only given one set of medals. So they're like, we can't decide which discipline, let's just make it all of them. And so a lot of kids grew up kind of doing all of them. You know, speed's pretty different. That's like sprinter versus longer distance. And so some people just grew up doing bouldering and lead, but it's pretty common to like do both. And then bouldering is more like powerful and strength oriented and uh, lead climbing is more like an endurance like you're on the wall up to six minutes oh wow Uh, and so you kind of gravitate towards one or the other or maybe you're really good at both and you do both like right now like I do both you know in the combined discipline you have to do both but I'd say my specialty is bouldering Mm -hmm. however like I can still rope climb pretty well so yeah you can do both so did you start competing at a young age in this because I I mean, I've seen the gyms. We have some local ones where you can kind of like learn from a young age or just go for fun, like for recreational purposes. But do you start competing at a very young age too? You said a lot of people start when they're young, but is that like competition right off the bat or is that something that came along later? For me, I started competing a year after I started climbing in like a youth league. That was very like fun. The people who just worked at the gym were like, you should put her in competitions. She's so good. And I was into gymnastics already, which is super competitive. So I was like, another like competitive sport, like sign me up. So I started really young. Yeah, I think it kind of varies. But for the most part, people start competing when they're young. And obviously, it's not like to the same intensity at all as it is now. And even like growing up, I ended up stopping gymnastics because it was too competitive. And I found climbing less competitive. So it's, yeah, you're competing when you're younger, but it's not like, 
you win or you lose. Like it's not well, so, as intense as some sports. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, this this is interesting. So you were a gymnast too, which I could see the play there because the flexibility, the upper body strength, like all of the things, the balance. I'm sure you're using so mm-hmm. many aspects of gymnastics on the rock as well. But at what point did you decide, yeah, I like this better? Because it's not often I feel like I hear people say I quit gymnastics because it was too competitive. Like usually I feel like there's injuries or I wasn't good at this or X, Y, Z. So this is interesting to me. So so explain to me, how long were you doing gymnastics and why the switch over? I'd been doing gymnastics when I quit for about seven years, eight mm-hmm. years. So like quite a while for gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I had started when I was three, so I was really young. Oh wow! But I was just training or like I would go to the climbing gym for like two to three hours and then I'd go to gymnastics practice for like three to four hours. And my parents were just like, how do you do this? But I was like young, like I had so much energy and I was having fun. But then competitions on the weekends, you know, were kind of hard to manage. Like I was having to skip some climbing competitions for gymnastics and I just wasn't able to like give my best in one because I was like sacrificing things in one sport for the other. And so I always, you know, I had obviously thought about like, which sport would I pick if I had to pick? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I really don't know. Like I could never decide. And then my parents were kind of like, I think you should really like try picking a sport so that you can really do all the competitions you want to do. Cause like nationals would be the same weekend or, you know, it just, it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And they're like long-term, like, how can you work out like six hours every day? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know, but yeah, I ended up choosing climbing. And I think one of the biggest things that drew me to the sport was how the community was so close. It's a lot smaller of a sport. So like, Mm. you know, I'd go to nationals and I was really good friends with girls my age and some boys from like all over the country. And I only saw them like once or twice a year. Like I was closer with my climbing teammates. Yeah. I think because it was a smaller sport, it was just easier and it felt less competitive versus gymnastics. There's so many girls who are so, so talented. Mm -hmm. And so even though like I was still going to nationals and, you know, doing well there, I felt like I had more potential maybe in climbing, which like as a 10 year old, it's like, wow, like, was I already thinking this? Those are big decisions. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess I was, I think I was having more fun with climbing and I was just improving at a faster rate. So I was more intrigued. And I totally get that because I'm from diving and that's a smaller sport too. And you kind of you get to know everybody at the national level, at the world level, you start seeing the same people over and over again. So it is like a reunion, right? When you go to those meets and it is a lot of fun, even though it is still competitive. I know you're saying less competitive, but it's just different. It's just kind of a different yeah. vibe. It maybe doesn't have the volume of people, but it's still a very competitive sport for sure. Climbing has like tripled in size or like quadrupled, like the amount of people going to events like local competitions. It's insane. Like I went to a local competition the other day just to like check it out. And I think the registration fee was like a hundred dollars or something. And back when I was doing them, they were like $30 and there's so many kids now. And like, it's just changed so much. You know, there used to be like maybe seven or eight of us in my age category. And now there's like 40 or something crazy. Wow. What do you think is probably kind of, a different vibe? <laughs> yeah. What do you think has made it grow so much? Do you think it getting in the Olympics or people like yourself doing really well? Like, what do you think has kind of made that increase in number? There are a lot of climbing gyms nowadays. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like where I grew up, there was kind of only one gym. But I mean, climbing gyms are opening like every year, more and more gyms open, which means they must have like 
a demand if they're opening and like surviving. So I'd say like right now I'm in Boulder visiting my parents and within like an hour radius of me, there's probably like 30 climbing gyms. Wow. And so, yeah, there's just a lot more exposure. I mean, I'm sure the Olympics might've helped, but the first time it was in the Olympics was in 2021. So it's like, that was long ago. ago. Yeah. Well, so walk me through your journey. Like you decided this was going to be your thing. You had better potential maybe than gymnastics. It's just a better environment for you. Where did you go? Like, did you start excelling really quickly? Did you see that there was like huge potential in it for you? Like, where did you want to go with that? Did you know right off the bat, like I have big dreams for this sport or was it just kind of fun the whole time? It was kind of fun the whole time. And I ended up joining the climbing team I think this was actually one of the big reasons I quit gymnastics was so that I could join this climbing team because it was like a two hour drive from Mm -hmm. Santa Cruz, California, which is where I grew up. So like that just wouldn't work with gymnastics training. So my parents were like, yeah, if you want to join this team, like you're going to have to pick climbing. And I was like, yeah, like I want to join this team. So I might have started taking it like a little more seriously. That was like when I was yeah 11. And then when I started competing, once I was like 14, 15, you could qualify for Youth Worlds. That was like my big goal. Like every year was to qualify. And my first Youth Worlds went really well. And I ended up in fourth there. And so then like the whole next year, I was like really training because I wanted to qualify for Youth Worlds. And then I wanted to like podium. And then I ended up not making Youth Worlds. And that was like, it's really hard to make it in the US because only three or four qualify youth worlds and like the u.s team always does so well there and so like obviously i was pretty bummed but that was like always my goal until i was like about 19 because that's when you age out of you and then i started competing in the open i did like one world cup a year just the the home world cup because i never like did well enough at open nationals to qualify to get to do other world cups and so like i did that maybe two years like didn't do very well and then 2019 I started like performing better and I like started believing in myself and I did really well at one of the, it actually ended up being our home world cup. I was like one spot out of finals and I was like, okay, like I want to make a world cup final. Like now I know I can do it. And then the world cup season wasn't starting until like not for another year. Cause I was kind of the end mm-hmm. and then COVID happened. And so then world cups didn't end up happening for two years. So this whole time I was just training, like I want to make a world cup final I know I can do it. And so I focused a lot. I mean, I'd say I focused a lot on that, but I also started college and I was like very focused with school. And then when we were finally able to travel again, I just like went to the first World Cup and it went really well. And then it kind of just like my life changed overnight because I had all these plans. Like I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to like do this and that. And then I was like, wait, I can be a professional climber. Like I can make a living from that. Cause not climbing, like there's not a ton of money in the sport. And so really only a few people can make it their living. So I was really lucky to be able to make that transition. And like, I love school. So like I still finished and I hope to like go back and get my master's, but I was like, I'm going to climb right now. Like while I can do that. And yeah, somewhere along the lines, like when I was 15, I moved to Boulder for climbing. So I could join another youth team that was better than the one in California. And, and this then, is why you were why you were trying to make like podium at Youth Worlds and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And just like trying to qualify for Youth Worlds and and all that. Can I pause you there? Was that hard? Because yeah, yeah. you're 15. Like, did your whole family move? Did your family split? Like, I know that happens with a lot of elite athletes in that like high school age. 
when they want to go to this maybe better team on a different side of the country, sometimes families split. Sometimes they have to decide if this is the best move. Like, how was that for your family? Yeah. So I'm like the best parents ever (laughs) and I'm an only (laughs) child. So I didn't have any siblings to think about, but I grew up going to Montessori school. My mom has been working at a Montessori school now for like 20 plus years, probably over 25 years. And one of the sayings there is like, follow the child. And so they were just like with me 100%. My dad has always worked from home. And my mom was like, I'll just work at another Montessori school. And like, they really just wanted to support me. And like, it wasn't easy. Like, you know, we had just bought a house in California, maybe like a few years, like a year or two prior. And we're like settling down there and then to like move all of a sudden, like we were in Airbnbs for a while until like we had a place to like live. I was like, what if we moved to Boulder? My parents were like, okay. Cause that's where like my best friends were that I would see every nationals and that's where the best team was. Mm -hmm. And we ended up moving kind of like six months after having the idea to like move. Mm -hmm. And so like there was nowhere to live really. So yeah, we were in an Airbnb and then we ended up moving into an apartment for, we ended up staying there for a long time actually, which was just like very different than what we were used to, you know, but yeah, so lots of sacrifices were made, but I was like able to be on this team and I was like so grateful for my parents for like supporting me. And at the time, like, or even now, like climbing still not a huge sport. So I feel like it's pretty common for families to move, you know, maybe for gymnastics or basketball or something that seems more legit. But everyone was like, you're moving like for climbing? What? Like, that's crazy. Like, yeah, we got, I felt judged at times, but I ended up, yeah, making Boulder home for a bit. And then I ended up moving to Salt Lake City because that's where the US, US training center is. And so now I've been there for about three years. So do you get like invited to the training center? How does that work? Uh, no, anyone can go to the training center mm-hmm. as long as you're competing at nationals. So okay. it's like, pretty open to anyone who wants to go. But yeah, it's it's cool there. So at what point do you think you kind of transition from this like, I hope to make it to Youth World, I hope to podium to like, now I'm going to World Cups. Now I'm like, I'm in it. Like, what is that transition? Because you said also during this time, you know, you kind of glazed over a lot of really important, you know, life facts here. Like you're going to school, you know, you're making a lot of big decisions. COVID happened, like kind of slow down and like walk us through some of this. Like what was our timeline? Like, Because there's not like, I don't think there's sport climbing in college or anything like that, right? That's not like a scholarship type thing. So how do you make the decision like school or climbing? Am I still doing, do I have enough time to like contribute to climbing? Am I focused on this instead? Like take us through that time. So I moved to Boulder right before I was starting high school. That was like kind of hard because I like came to this high school where like everyone knew each other Mm. and I was like the new person. And of course I like missed the first two weeks of school because I was at youth worlds and it was like my last youth worlds. So I came in and like was the last one there, which was not ideal, but Boulder is probably the most climbing oriented city town, like in the U S I'd say like Colorado in general is just a lot of people know climbing. Like if you live in Colorado, you like know what climbing is because there's a lot of outdoor climbing. And so, yeah, I ended up deciding to stay here for college and go to CU Boulder. And at the time I was like, yeah, like I'll just, you know, train when I can. And so sometimes that was just like an hour or two, you know, like I was not training a ton. Were you still trying to compete at that time? Or was it kind of more like, I'm just going to do that on the side. And like, I'm really focusing on school, like kind of almost moving on in a bit. 
Yeah. So right when I started college, I had just finished like my last youth worlds and I was like kind of feeling a little burnt out from climbing. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not going to do the competition season this year because it didn't start until like October. But then I was just having so much fun training or like just climbing for fun. I was like, why don't I just go to this competition and see what happens? I ended up winning. And then I was like, well, now I have to keep doing that. <laughs> or like now I want to, you know, and it was so fun. And so that was like the National Cup Series. And there were three that year and leading up to nationals. And then I ended up winning all three and nationals. Then I was psyched. I was like, okay, I got this. Like I was feeling burnt out because my results weren't what I wanted. But I think then once I was so focused on like school and like other things and like, obviously I was still training and climbing, but it wasn't like my main focus. I kind of like took a step back in order to like do better, which is funny because I did that very recently as well. Yeah. Like I'm psyched. I'm super excited to compete. And qualifying for the team, I was like, I'm going to get to do all the World Cups. And then that's kind of when COVID happened. And there was... So you just you just pause. broke out on the scene, like winning everything, excited to go to World Cups, and they're all postponed. Was that devastating? Yeah, it was pretty sad because then I knew I was going to have to like requalify the next year. Oh, they um, didn't even let you stay qualified? No. Oh man. I know so, some, <laughs> some teams like they held over, like if they'd already qualified for the Olympics or they'd, you know, qualified for world championships, they let those teams, some of them let those teams stand. So man, that stings. Yeah. But like I made it and it was fine. And then I got to do the world cups in 2021. So that was. So how did you stay motivated during that year when like everything's postponed? You're like, ah, I just made it, but now I've got to wait. Like were you still like motivated at that time? Like I've broken through now. I know I can do this. What was your mindset like during that kind of break or that year? Yeah, I I wouldn't say I really thought about it much because I mean, I bet most people like remember, like no one knew when COVID was going to end or not when COVID, but like it's still going. Right. Um, <laughs> the never ending like, pandemic. <laughs> yeah. When restrictions would ease up and like when competitions would start. Like I wasn't training. I stopped training and I mean, gyms closed. So I was just climbing outside, which was so fun because I had never really invested a ton of time in outdoor climbing and was just seeing tremendous progress there and felt like really strong just from, you know, all the hiking and climbing on like real rocks. I don't know. Often the holds are really small. And so it just makes it made my fingers stronger and I was just psyched. So I kind of did that all summer. And then I moved to Salt Lake, like start of September. I was just like climbing around there for fun at the training center with friends. Like I was in school like full time then. So I was like, I don't have time to be going to Rocky Mountain National Park like every day. So it just made sense. Yeah, I was there. And then at some point, probably like November, they announced that they were going to try and host team trials in March. So then that's kind of what I was training for at the training center for a bit, just trying to like qualify to make the team again. What was the difference? Because you were trying to make the World Cup teams, but were there also like the Olympic trials going on at that same time? Was that something in your radar or not even at the time? No. So the Olympic trials for climbing had already happened before COVID. Oh, okay. So yeah, like I was too late to the game kind of. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So no, it wasn't on my radar. So it was all about the World Cup there. And you made mm -hmm. it. And like, how did that first World Cup season go for you? Yeah. So my first full season... The first World Cup was in Switzerland and I was in second for like a second. And then there was an appeal made that I had like started incorrectly once. And so I was bumped to third and I was like, oh, and then I was like, 
some of the big names weren't going to be at the next World Cup, which was actually our home World Cup in Salt Lake. I could win a World Cup, but I was like, I can't let the pressure get to me, you know. But it, it happened, and I was like able to experience my first World Cup win, like in Salt Lake City, like in front of my home crowd, and it's still probably one of my favorite climbing moments to date. But it was just so cool having everyone there, Very and I feel cool. like you never forget your first World Cup win. It wasn't easy mentally. A lot of people were like, oh, well, she only won because like certain people weren't there. And then the next weekend, everyone was there or a lot more people. And it was able to win again. And then people were saying, oh, well, you only won because the climbs were too easy. <laughs> so that really like faltered, hindered my confidence for like a bit. And although it never really affected my performance, it was really hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I had people I could like talk to about it. But I was just like crying, reading these comments, like people saying, I can't wait to see like Natalia get destroyed when the boulders are harder and like all this negativity. And then the next World Cup, obviously the boulders were harder. And like, I got second to, you know, the person that they had been talking about. But I was like, I'm actually really honored. You think all I can do is like climb vertical walls because I've been really working on my slab game, (laughs) but I actually (laughs) enjoy the steep, powerful boulders. So, you know, I was so new to it too. Mm -hmm. I guess that was only like two and a half years ago, but it feels like so long ago. And it was just, yeah, new to me to be going to like new countries every month with, you know, my team and just getting to compete. Yeah. 2021 was great. So (laughs) definitely put the pressure on for 2022. So the stuff that you were hearing, it was mostly through comments, like on social media. Is that kind of what I'm Mm -hmm. understanding? So how do you deal with that? Because that is a really big issue for like, I coach athletes on mindset and performance now. And that is a big thing they bring up a lot is this, the whole comparison game and the comments that people make. Like, so how do you deal with that? You said you had some good people to talk to and maybe it's different now. Like, how do you process all that? Do you even let yourself still read those things? How do you pull back from that or not let it kind of bring you to a weird place in your mind, you know, a dark place? (laughs) I try not to read the comments or like any threads, but every once in a while, you know, we're curious people. We want to know what people are saying. (laughs) Right. And so, yeah, I mean, even like two months ago, I called my mom crying because I was like, I just found this like, thread on me and like it's horrible and she's like oh my gosh don't listen but I'm like it's true what they're saying like and yeah it was not great and I was like okay I can't can't read about myself anymore so we'll see but yeah it's hard to avoid it there's no good way really I don't know just talking to people about it and like trying to avoid mm-hmm. you know setting yourself up for just don't look yourself up on the internet <laughs> Don't Google your name. <laughs> no, I think having people around you that have got your back is a big deal. And and talking about it. I mean, like a lot of people mm-hmm. will see that and then hold it in and dwell on these things and not, and it just festers in a bad way, you know, but like getting it out and talking to people who you know, love and care about you, you know, no matter what, I think that's really, really important moment. So how is that transition? You have this kind of breakthrough year. 2021 is awesome. You're traveling the world. You're doing all the things. You're podiuming all... Is podiuming a word? I totally just made up a word, didn't I? You're podiuming... Podi- and now I can't even say it. You're making the podium. <laughs> so then 2022, like, were your expectations just through the roof? Like, are you more of a goal setter? Like, where was your brain going into 2022? Yeah, I definitely was, you know, put high expectations on myself. And I felt like the expectations from others as well. Not necessarily like those 
who are close like in my close circle or anything but just like yeah I guess from like a bigger view maybe fans and whatnot and although like I was kind of I don't know that I had a lot of like mental breakdowns not breakdowns but the pressure like got to me several times I'd Mm -hmm. say and I'm so lucky I had like my coach to talk to and like we talk about everything like I feel very comfortable talking to him so we can like you know talk about like my mind and like what's going on and what are these thoughts I'm having and I was able to like keep them under wraps and yeah perform like 2022 I'd say was better than 2021 even with all the like big hard mental moments yeah like so what happened was the first world cup I got second Mm -hmm. to so there's a pretty like a Yanya Gonfret is like the most dominant female competitive climber like it's a known fact. Like she wins almost like all the World Cups she enters. Okay. And so she won the first World Cup. Then she announced that she wasn't going to be doing any more that season because she was taking a break like after the Olympics. And so then I was like, oh man, I feel the pressure to like, you know, I've been second to her like the past couple of comps that she's been to. And like I had gotten first when she wasn't there. And I was like, okay, like five more World Cups this season. I was able to win all of them. And I think it kind of like then really built the pressure up for this year. And then I like completely crumbled this year at the start of the season. So like the pressure just like became too much. Let's back up. So this is really interesting. I love the mental side of things. Like that was something that I was kind of forced by injury to get really into during my career. I just love kind of digging into that if that's okay. But Mm -hmm. I... I love that you said you were having all these kind of not breakdowns, but like mental issues and and pressure in 2022, but you were able to talk to your coach. Like, can you give us an example of like some of the things that were going through your head that you were struggling with and what kind of plan you guys came up with to get through that? Because you ended up doing really well. So like, what was the yeah situation around that? So we have like six months off after like the last World Cup until like the season starts again. Mm -hmm. And before 2022, there was even more, maybe like seven months. So there was like quite some time there. And in that time, like, obviously there were times where I was hard on myself or in training or something like that, Mm -hmm. but it was like never too bad. And then once the season starts, then it's like on you, you know, you're competing for a couple months straight, kind of, you know, every weekend or every other weekend after the first world cup, I was like, okay, like, I'm really excited. I get to go to a new country for a world cup. Mm -hmm. And the pressure wasn't too bad, you know, but I was like, obviously, like, I know I can do this, but it wasn't like by the end where I was like really nervous because then at some point, I think my goal became to like win the rest of the season. And so then like that's such a high goal and it's such a performance goal, which is not really in my control all the mm-hmm. time or ever really. And so it's like you can't, pre- you know, it's not always the best to have outcome goals or like placement oriented goals because it's so easy to fall short of those goals and you can climb amazingly and like have your best day ever climbing, but someone else just climbed better than you that day. And that's how it goes. So yeah, I've tried not to make my goal be like, I want to win or anything like that Mm -hmm. now that I've like learned that, but some things like my coach and I would talk about, you know, often what I was worried about was like irrational or like, you know, even like the fear of failing, like, So who cares if you don't win? Like, what's going to happen if you get second? Like, nothing's going to happen. People aren't going to start saying, like, you're a bad climber or anything. Or if I was too taking things too seriously, that's 
or I think that's why I would become stressed because I was taking it so seriously. And he'd be like, just pretend it's like another day at the gym. Like you're just going to go have fun. And like, you need to remember to have fun. I think that's like one of the biggest things I learned. It's like, if I'm not having fun, it's like not worth it. And if I'm not having fun, I'm not going to perform very well. Um, yeah. No, I think not, that's great. I shouldn't say not very well, but like not to my full potential. I love that you separated the difference between an outcome goal and a performance goal because I, I agree that's in the same with like every sport, right? You can you can want to win, but you can't control what everybody else is doing, right? You can only control your own performance and and the things that you are attempting to do and making corrections or doing certain techniques or whatever it is but you can't control what the other person is doing, especially if it's not like a combat sport. You know what I mean? You're not really like controlling Mm -hmm. the other person necessarily. Diving is very similar like that. So I don't think it's necessarily bad to have like an outcome that you want, but not to hyper-focus on that, to focus on the performance, like you said, like what I'm able to do and and doing that and and enjoying the moment. Because like, what's the point of sport if we're not having fun and doing it, right? I have met Olympians who have won gold medals and been very disappointed because it wasn't what they expected it to be. They didn't get the fame or the fortune that followed that they thought it would be. So they were miserable about winning Olympic medals instead of having loved their sport and done this thing they had dreamed of doing since they were a little kid and being on cloud nine. Like all that is, is a perspective change. I really love that you're touching on that because I think it's really important to realize those things, to have fun, to enjoy the moment, to focus on the performance, not just the outcome. And and like you said, the fear of failing, like your coach is brilliant. I, I love how you guys can talk together and stuff. And I love that he's telling you like, yes, like I'm still going to care about you. Your parents are still going to love you. Like people aren't going to suddenly think you're a terrible climber because you had one bad competition. Like I've seen every amazing athlete, like do something that's not great. And it doesn't make me think, wow, they suck now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you just don't automatically think somebody sucks because we all have good days and bad days. So it's funny, like you said, sometimes it's just these irrational things that go through our head and we start saying them out loud and talking to somebody. And then we realize... Oh, yeah, I guess that's really not something I need to worry about. But again, it's that communication, right? It's that thinking through those things that sometimes we try to avoid or push away, right? Yeah, I think it's important just having someone you can talk to and like just tell them what's on your mind. For me, that's like my coach and my sports psych and my mom and dad. I'm mm-hmm. very open with them. And so that can help me just like get into a better headspace and, you know, just remember that. Although sometimes it feels like, you know, this competition is everything in the grand scheme. It's nothing like it's just one competition and it's doing something I, I like doing, but doesn't define who I am. And I think that's something I've really learned more recently in the past few months, even it's like this performance doesn't like to define me. This sport doesn't define me like I am a lot more than just a climber, because, you know, especially when you go. I guess pro and then you have sponsors and you know you feel like you're supposed to perform to their wants and mm. or like your income can be like based on performance that can sometimes add a, like another layer of pressure which luckily like that's never really been something that like stresses me out but I know for many climbers you know who are newer to the scene they're just trying to become professional climbers and trying to get their names out there and if they're not performing well they're not going to be able to make a living. And that's a great point too, because it is different for people in sports like mine, where there's, you go to college too, like sometimes that switch from just being like a junior athlete to now I'm being paid by my university to do this thing 
or becoming pro, like I'm getting paid by sponsors to compete in this thing and they expect certain things, that can be kind of a hard switch. So at what point were you starting to get sponsors and go pro? Like you said, it hasn't been too bad for you, but like, what was that switch like for you? Or did it kind of come out of nowhere? Were you seeking it out so that you could continue to climb? It kind of came out of nowhere because I think my 2021 season, like no one knew really who I was. And then I was there and people were like, who is this person? Like, we want to work with her. So I think I got my first sponsorship at the start of 2021, which is like pretty late to the game or like not that long ago. So it's cool just to see how that has evolved and like new brands I've worked with and you know, certain brands, I'm like, wow, like you guys are super cool. Other brands, I'm like, oh, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so just, you know, navigating that scene and learning more about it. Because when I was younger, I was always like, oh, like I'd love, you know, I always wanted free product because climbing shoes are really expensive. They're like $200 a pair and wow. you can blow through them really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one of my friends was like, you're still paying for climbing shoes. Like this was after I had won, you know, all the, North American cups and nationals. She's like, no, like, let me talk to like the person here. And so, you know, we were able to work that out and at least just get free products. So I wasn't spending. And that's how a lot of sponsorships start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what I tell people. It's like, you don't want those sponsorships forever, but like, that's a good place to start, but also know your worth and know when to say, you know, I deserve more than just free product. Well, I was just to say, did you have an agent helping you navigate that? Or it sounded like it started with just a friend going, no, let's get you hooked up here. Like, was that a hard thing to navigate? Or did you were like, mom, dad, like, I need a hand. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Because, you know, a, a lot of like athletes, and, I, and I've been hearing this with NIL, that if they don't know the contracts and they're not having somebody look over it, they can sign a really bad deal. So there's, you know, a little element of danger in that as well. Like, did you have somebody helping you navigate those things to the beginning? I was kind of the main one doing it, but like, I definitely had my dad like look over the agreement and I showed the agreement to like one of my mentors who's been climbing and she's like, yeah, like that looks really good. Um, And then I ended up getting an agent at the end of the 2021 season and that definitely helped. And, you know, it's awkward to be like, I want more money, you know, like, (laughs) and so they do that for you, which is really great. Yes. It's nice to have somebody else playing good cop and bad cop for you. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. That's cool. So tell us, you said 2023 started off pretty rocky, but like, I'm looking at your results and 2023 looks kind of amazing. So tell me what happened in this season, this year. At the end of 2022, I ended up getting really bad food poisoning. And I ended up in the hospital for it. And it kind of lingered for like a long time. I never fully recovered from it. Um, oh, And it kind of just like kickstarted a lot of like stomach issues for like months, which like really affected training, made it hard to like, just like give it my all mm-hmm. or like just to do the training I wanted to do and to like, just be mentally like in a good place and be happy and, you know, feeling, feeling healthy. And so going into the first world cup, like I was not feeling that great, but then I ended up getting food poisoning again. And I'm not even sure if it was food poisoning or what happened, but I pretty much just like wasn't keeping anything down. So I felt like extremely weak. I went from winning the past couple World Cups to then not making my first final in years. And that was hard. Definitely had a solid cry after that one. 
And then the next weekend, we were flying from Japan to Korea. I ended up getting whiplash and qualifiers and then couldn't climb like myself and still wasn't like had more energy, but like still wasn't feeling great. And then we had a month until like the next World Cup. So I was like able to come home, rest, like recover. And it was the home World Cup in Salt Lake City. I finally like felt like myself going into it. And it was just like, it was so exciting. It felt like my first World Cup because I just hadn't felt that joy in almost a year, you know? Yeah. Because the first two World Cups, I just wasn't myself at all. And yeah, I ended up winning that World Cup. And I was like, I'm back. Like, you know, I've got things under control with like my stomach and my health and I'm feeling better. And then we went to the next World Cup and I was able to win again. And then the next one, I got second. So it was like, things were like going the right way. I was like, okay, like I'm back. And then my last World Cup of the year, then I ended up getting... I don't know if poisoning is the right word, but like another stomach situation where like I wasn't keeping food down and it was like the same thing all over again. And it's really hard for me to perform my best. And I ended up missing my first lead final. I was like one spot out. Like obviously like ninth probably looks good to like most people, but that was really hard for me. And over time really started to affect my confidence because then my next competition was going to be the world championships. And that was the first Olympic qualifying event for climbing this year. So going into it, I was like, well, I've just had like the rockiest season. Like I missed my first final in both disciplines. And like in 2022, 2021, I was like occasionally meddling in lead climbing, but I was making all the finals. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as hard of a hit as like, you know, bouldering to go from winning to not even making the final. Um, but it was still hard. And then world championships came and like, I had put so much pressure on the event and like trying to qualify for the Olympics. And like, everyone had been talking about this event for like months and everyone was skipping certain world cups to try and peak for this. And I just got there, did not have fun at all. I ended up missing my first semifinal ever in lead. I had done really well on the first climb and then just fell really low, like slipped on the second one. And it was almost enough, but I ended up just because my, you know, one performance was so good and they took the average. And so I was one spot out and I was like, man, like what is happening? And then we had bouldering next and I was able to, you know, make bouldering finals. And I don't even know what place I got. I think I got fifth. I think so. I don't know. I made the final. I was psyched to make the final, but I just wasn't enjoying it. And then we had the combined, which is like the Olympic qualifying format event. How do people qualify? Did you have to win it to get a spot or like what place did you have to get or how does that yeah. work? So it was the top three in the final and I didn't even make the final. I was ninth. So I was one spot out. And I was honestly just really bummed, mostly because I didn't have fun and didn't feel like myself, which for me is key. So I came home and I was like, okay, we have about two months until Pan Am's and Pan Am's is like only the top that will qualify for the Olympics. So it's one, one spot, only one spot. Yeah. Wow. So it's almost like even more high pressure because it's just like one, but there yeah. are also a lot less people. And I just took a completely different mindset. I cut my training load like in half. I just had fun with friends. I climbed with friends a lot more climbing to climb instead of like training And I started taking like some classes again or like doing some online coursework and just like taking up other hobbies outside of climbing. And I went into Pan Am's like 
feeling no pressure, just like ready to enjoy it. And like, that's exactly what happened. And I was able to give a performance that felt like myself. And I would say I didn't really feel that many times this season, but it was something I felt every competition in 2021 because I was so excited. It was so new. I was just so grateful to be there at the end of the day. It didn't like matter the result. And so I was able to get into that same mindset of like letting go of like what happened in 2022, what happened in 2021, you know, letting go of what happened at world championships. It's a new competition. I feel like a new person. It's been two months and yeah, I'm ready just to like have fun. And I'm just grateful to be here. I don't need to think about these other accomplishments I've done that are going to like stress me out or make me think that I should be the one who, you know, gets the spot or anything like that. And yeah, I was able to just somehow make it happen and earn that Olympic spot, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Yeah, that's so huge. Congratulations. I'm super excited for you. We're all going to be cheering you on toward Paris. I love what you recognized in that and here you are having having these moments because of sickness or whatever else is going on too, but you're having those moments that you were scared of the season before, right? With the fear of failure. And now it's kind of happening because of things mm-hmm. out of your control, but you're getting through it and it's not the end of the world, right? We're learning that lesson the hard way, unfortunately, but still seeing that at the same time. And I love that you were just like, okay, it's this brand new. I need to get into a place where I'm enjoying this and I am happy and I feel fulfilled that is such an important thing because I think we're right. We so hyper-focus sometimes on the outcome or what we want or what our goals are and we can like pound ourselves into the pavement and we're not enjoying it anymore. You know, so I love that you took that back and I love that you're saying it's a clean slate. You can't make up for what happened. Like what's done is done. We can't go back and change it, right? So now this is a new opportunity. I think that's such a beautiful way to look at it. I think a lot of athletes can take note on that because we we do. Sometimes when we don't do what we want, the next competition, we're trying to make up for (laughs) what we were lacking in the last one. You can't really do that, right? So I think that's a, a beautiful thing. So going into 2024 for you, with everything that you've been through, are there World Cups before, like leading up to the Olympics that would be good like kind of prep competitions? Or is it just like, waiting from now until Paris to compete? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so there are World Cups before the Olympics. They start in April and there are three World Cups. And then there's kind of like a two-month pause for the Olympic qualifying series. Mm -hmm. So there's still spots available for people to qualify. It's just a lot closer to the Olympics, you know, so you don't have, I guess, the luxury of knowing what your plans are. But Mm -hmm. yeah, and then there three world cups after the Olympic qualifying series. And I'm not really sure what I'm going to (laughs) do. Like I want to do at least one bouldering and one lead world cup before the Olympics, Mm -hmm. because I believe there are three of each before, but then there's like two like back-to-back weekends, but they're in France actually, but there may be two and three weeks out like before the Olympics. It's kind of a little too close for me. Mm -hmm. So potentially trying to do the ones at the start. But then it's just weird if you're trying to peak for April and then again for July. It's just, I don't know, odd. Because they're like kind of close to each other, but like not close enough. <laughs> right. You know, ideally, you're trying to peak for like a few weeks, not right five months. And so <laughs> I guess you could get a little training cycle in between. Well, I was going to say, is it um, enough time to yeah drop back down and then build back up to the peak? That's the question. Yeah, which I don't... I don't know. Cause like, yeah, there's world cups until May. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. I've been taking it pretty chill right now. Like all of that was end of October when I qualified. So November and December, I'm just climbing for fun. 
going on like an outdoor climbing trip and just not really like taking training seriously or not really training at all, just climbing to climb. I think that's beautiful. I love that you have qualified for the Olympics. You're going to Olympic year and you are having fun right now. I think that's beautiful. I think more athletes need to do that. (laughs) I'll think about it in January. Love it. We'll regroup in 2024. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It's a cool thing that you already know you have your spot. Like, because every sport kind of does their qualifications so differently. Like for diving, we have opportunities starting the year out where we qualify our spot and like the country is spot. So like, I have gone and I've qualified our country spot at world championships or world cup, but then I have to still go to the Olympic trials a month out of the Olympics and qualify my place. Even though I already got the spot, it wasn't mine. It was the country's spot. So I love that you were able to get your spot because that has just got to feel so good knowing for this extended period of time that like you will be on that team. That's pretty cool. You qualify by name. And so, you know, there could be no Americans, but we're such a strong team. So that's just not the case, but And that's how it is for like World Cups. You can qualify by name, which is really nice because then I don't have to do like the competitions in the U.S. to try and qualify. That's very cool. Well, where can we follow you online to keep cheering you on toward Paris? Because we're all super excited to watch you and be like, oh my gosh, go Natalia. This is awesome. (laughs) Um, So yeah, where can we follow you? And is there any advice, like last bit of advice for athletes who are up and coming, who have big goals and dreams? Something I would say is to just have fun with it. It's like cheesy, but like if you're having fun, you're going to like just keep doing it for longer. And if you love it so much, like you want to be able to do it for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And another thing that like we didn't quite get into, but I'd say is just like listen to your body. And like if you feel tired, take that rest day. It's okay to take rest days. You don't have to go to the gym every day. You don't have to go twice a day. You can take two days off. You can take three days off. And it's like hard for me, you know, to sometimes be like, okay, I'm going to take four days off. Like, that sounds like a lot, but like your body will thank you. And mm-hmm. where to follow me? I'm trying to get back on my social media grind. So you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I think Natalia underscore Grossman is my username. I'll be there. Perfect. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes so they can find it real easy. Thank you so much for coming on. I love your spirit and your attitude. And I'm super excited to have another amazing athlete to cheer on for Paris next year. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests. And it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.